Hello again, friends. Pastor Lowell here, welcoming each of you to our series, Return to Rome. This is number 17. We'll begin with a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for what we have been learning about end-time events. We thank you that you have called us to be faithful to you at end-time. Bless each of our listeners. Keep us faithful. Prepare us for heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Return to Rome. No competition when Rome leads the world again. This is section 4 of our series. Revelation 13, verse 3, predicts a time when all the world will wander after the beast. And we understand that the beast from the sea in Revelation 13, as most Protestants have understood in the past, is a symbol of the Vatican, the papacy. We're not speaking about Catholic people. There are many wonderful Catholic people. We're talking about a system here. And in order for all the world to wander after the beast or after the Vatican, at least five things must take place. Number one, the death of Protestantism, which has happened. We studied that. Number two, a positive view of the papacy, which has happened and is happening. We've studied that. Number three, religious unification, which is happening. We studied that. And now, number four, section four, removal of competition. That's why we have entitled this particular section, No Competition When Rome Leads the World Again. Back in 1990, Malachi Martin, former Jesuit, devout Catholic, published a book, a large book, entitled The Keys of This Blood. And the subtitle of the book says, Pope John Paul II versus Russia and the West for control of the New World Order. And the book is all about the pontificate of Pope John Paul II and his ambitious plans to dominate the world. And we saw that those three contenders that are competing to set up the first truly one world government are, number one, communism. The Russian form of communism is what he outlines here. Number two, capitalism, that's the West. And number three, Catholicism. Now today we want to define these three terms. First of all, communism. According to Britannica Encyclopedia, communism is political and economic doctrine that aims to replace private property and a profit-based economy with public ownership and communal control of at least the major means of production. That is, mines, mills, factories, we could add farms, and the natural resources of a society. Of course, as communism developed in Russia and expanded to its satellites, it basically took control of everything. It wasn't just the mines and the mills and the factory, it took control of life. And you understand that, largely speaking, communism takes away incentive, industry, hard work, and craftsmanship. Because if you don't own it, you don't really care for it. If it's not yours, you don't take care for it. If you're not profiting from your work on the collective farm, then you work more like a slave than a farmer. 
And this is what really happened during communism. Much of society lost incentive because they didn't own the factories. They weren't privately benefiting from hard work. And so my wife and I, who spent six years in the former Soviet Union, we saw the effects of this ideology, communism. Often things would be broken. Buildings would go into disrepair. Communal farms, nobody really cared for them because they didn't own them. They weren't benefiting from them personally. So the only thing they really cared for, it seemed like, was their own private house, if they owned a house, and their chickens. <laughs> because these were things that they actually owned themselves. Now we understand that communism in the USSR ended on December 25, 1991, the USSR dissolved. And a lot of this had to do with the pontificate of Pope John Paul II. I'm reading from CNN, April 4, 2005. This was back about the time of the death of John Paul II. It says, quote, Gorbachev, who once said the collapse of the Iron Curtain would have been impossible without John Paul II, said the Pope condemned communism the first time the two met in 1989, shortly after the fall of the Berlin Wall. The pontiff, who began his papacy in 1978 when the Soviets dominated his Polish homeland and Eastern Europe, was a harsh critic of communism and offered support to those fighting for change from within. And then Gorbachev said this, this is in CNN News, he said, quote, We had a really interesting, albeit perhaps too emotional, conversation, Gorbachev said. Quote, he told me he was very, very critical of communism. End of quote. And then the article continues, The former Soviet leader who was forced to resign as his nation broke up in 1991 said the Pope also expressed criticism for capitalism during their 1989 meeting, end of quote. And that's most interesting because the author of this book, Keys of This Blood, documents how there's this competition between John Paul II, Russia, communism, and the West, capitalism. And John Paul, according to Malachi Martin, saw himself as the ultimate winner in this competition, or at least the Catholic Church is ultimately being the winner of this three-way competition for complete control of the world. Now we understand that today we could say communism is gone. Communism in Russia ended. 1991, SS, the USSR fell apart. My wife and I had the privilege of going over there and spending six years preaching the gospel in the country of Ukraine. I've been to Russia. And yes, religious freedom then came to that area of the world. Communism pretty much went away, we could say. And some people say, well, what about China? Isn't China communist? There was an interesting uh, article from the Scientific American that was published April 27, 2020. That's just a few days ago. It says, quote, Although China adheres nominally to communism, an extreme form of socialism, Marfalane describes its economy as, quote, authoritarian capitalism, 
end of quote, in which the government permits private enterprise but exerts strict control over it. That's what was stated here in this Scientific American Journal. So while in China it's nominally communistic, that's the ideology, they allow for private enterprise where you have ownership of a company and you can exert your influence to make profits. Private enterprise, of course, in creates incentive for hard work, invention, craftsmanship, and this is what has made the economy in China successful up to this point, or close to this point. So we could honestly say that realistically of these three contenders for global control, communism is gone. What about capitalism? Let's look at a definition now of capitalism. This is from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Capitalism is an economic system characterized by private or corporate ownership of capital goods, by investments that are determined by private decision, and by prices, production, and the distribution of goods that are determined mainly by competition in a free market. I like that expression, free, free market. Now certainly there are many... Uh, wrongs and wrongdoings that are done in the ideology of capitalism. It's very selfish, self-centered. But essentially what you have in, in capitalism is the premise that you reap what you sow. Hard work equals profits. Capitalism provides incentive for hard work, invention, and craftsmanship, whereas communism takes away those incentives. Now, capitalism, you recognize, is in deep trouble. I'm reading now from the New Statesman. This is the UK Political News, April 19, 2020. The headlines said this, The coronavirus crisis shows we need an entirely new economic system. And then the subtitle of this particular article said, It will be impossible for capitalism to return to normal. We need an economy that has people's well-being and public health as its priority. And I thought when I saw that subheading, that sounds very much in harmony with the agenda of Pope Francis and the Jesuits. But I want to read to you from this particular article in the New Statesman News. It says, quote, In response to this crisis, this is actually after the initial article begins shortly after they launch into this article I found this particular quotation in response to this crisis that's the coronavirus crisis in response to this crisis the government has to do nothing less than take control of the economy of course when the government takes control then it's no longer capitalistic it's not privately controlled privately owned but now it's government-controlled. Reading on, it says, Capitalism, like all previous economic systems, is built on people's work. I thought that was an interesting view of capitalism. It's built on people's work. So you work hard, you make profits. You sit, you're lazy, you don't work. Well, of course, then you don't earn and you suffer. 
Capitalism, I'm reading again, capitalism, this is a new statesman, capitalism, like all previous economic systems, is built on people's work. We are compelled to get out of bed, cram ourselves into public transport, obey the instructions of managers, and the discipline of the clock. This is, of course, in the UK, where <laughs> the West, they follow the discipline of the clock. And then the article says, and when it's over, even as we huddle together in the pub, that's the bar, or play five aside, or go out to dinner, we're still generating returns to capital invested by someone else. Suddenly, this entire mechanism of compulsion, reward, and exploitation has been disrupted by an epidemiological truth. To avoid mass death, to the tune of between a quarter and a half million, we must not go to work or use public transport or go to pubs, bars, gyms, theaters, or restaurants. And you know that's exactly what's happened all over the world. <laughs> Shut down. You are supposed to stay inside, stay home, no go to work. They've closed public transport, they closed the bars, they've closed the restaurants, they've closed the theaters. Unfortunately, they closed the churches. So everybody stays home. What does that do to a capitalistic economy? Well, anyway, let me read on here. New Statesman says, Though the epidemic will be temporary, the resulting disruptions will not. And then it says in, later in the article, Like it or not, we are going to end up with a heavily state-backed economy with the government directing the private sector and ensuring everyone has enough to live on. The sooner we accept that and a generation of neoliberal trained politicians learns how to perform this role, the better. Well, of course, that's not capitalism anymore. And then later in the article it says, The social price for what we will have to endure must be twofold. The actions taken have to be universal. We're hearing more and more voices all over the world saying we need a universal uh, response. We need a universal response just like we responded universally to the virus. Now we need a universal response to how we're going to run the world after coronavirus is gone. The actions taken, I'm reading again, the actions taken have to be universal and they have to redistribute wealth and power downwards, not upwards. Again, that sounds very much in harmony with the agenda of Pope Francis and the Jesuits. And then later it says, after this is over, it will be impossible for capitalism to return to normal. End of quote. Wow. Now, let me take you back to the definition of capitalism. An economic system characterized by private ownership of capital goods by investments that are determined by private decision and by prices, production, and the distribution of goods that are determined mainly by competition in a free market. We have defined communism. We have defined capitalism. We have one more to define, Catholicism. We will look at that next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we see our world in deep trouble. 
We're thankful that in trouble we can look to you as the great source of everything. You have promised to provide all our needs. We pray that now you would help us to seek you as never before, and we might be ready for the earth's final events. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, God be with you until we meet again.